Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly happy hour today on Trending. Happy Feast Day. It's a feast day of St. Joseph the Worker, which has everything to do with two things, St. Joseph and work. It's a fascinating feast day that was implemented really actually just in the 20th century, specifically addressing the importance, or sorry, in the 19th century, addressing the importance of understanding us as human beings in the light of socialism, communism, and this devaluing of the human person and the removal of God from society and therefore any understanding of him with regard to the concept of work. So we're going to talk about St. Joseph the worker, why he's a model of workers. We'll talk about the value of work for human flourishing and happiness. We're also going to talk about workaholism and how to start working on no longer being a workaholic because it really is a spiritual issue. Uh, We'll talk about more today on Trending. If you have a question impacting your happiness, let me know. The number is 1-888-914-9149. Joining me today on Trending is Father Robert Spitzer. He's the president of the Magis Center, and the Spirit Center speaks to the reasonability of our faith. Sorry, the Spitzer Center as well. You can find his work at CredibleCatholic.com. It's actually a free online uh, place where you can read articles and their full learning modules to dive deeper into your faith for absolute free. So that's CredibleCatholic.com. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Father Spitzer, it's so good to have you back today, especially celebrating this very important feast day of St. Joseph the Worker. Oh, it's great to be back with you, Tim Marie, as always. And uh, it is a good feast day, uh, as you said, for both uh, the reason of St. Joseph himself, an incredible example of manhood and fatherhood, as well as workerhood, if I can use that term. <clears throat> and also, uh, uh, it does celebrate work, the dignity of work, and how uh, the Catholic Church has held work in such high esteem uh, throughout the course of its history, following, of course, Jesus, the Son of St. Joseph the Worker. One thing that really stands out to me when I look at St. Joseph the Worker, you know, he was the head of the Holy Family. And so many people today are working on reinventing their careers or they're toiling in their labor. And even just the stories we have of St. Joseph, he never spoke in sacred scripture, but he spoke volumes by what he did and how he led. And it was interesting kind of just pondering earlier about all the disruptions that St. Joseph had to have had, not just in his workflow, uh, but in his actual livelihood, his ability to provide from the fact that he had to go and register for the census, disrupt his family work life, his provisions. He had to flee to Egypt from Nazareth. And then, you know, roughly, you know, the timing kind of indicates around seven years later, come back from Egypt, back to Nazareth, a place where no one really would have known where they went because they were fleeing in secrecy to protect the Christ child. So I think that it had to have been a challenging experience for him as someone who had that responsibility to work to remake himself over and over again and experience that disruption. 
Well, that's true. Um, and uh, no question, you'd have to have a lot of faith and um, also uh, belief and trust that God's providential lead was going to help you. But at the same time, his priorities are what help him. So you can see right away, <clears throat> his priorities are definitely the family and God. His work is very important. It's a means of providing for the family. And it's a means, you know, through the family uh, to teach uh, the law, which was his job as a father, right, is to uh, teach the law, at least the basics of the law. Uh, to his son. The, the mom would be teaching the prayer. So Blessed Virgin Mary would have taught the, the Psalms and so forth to uh, Jesus. But uh, more than that, um, uh, he would have uh, had this tremendous, um, you know, combination of, you know, his lived faith and his living out of the law for Jesus to see. And all that was very clear in his mind. I mean, uh, he he knew his you know his priority was his wife, his son. Um, he of course uh, uh, knew that his son was extraordinarily uh, important and, and central to the to the life not only of Israel but um, to the world and uh, and to history for all time. But more than that, uh, too, he also um, uh, values his own faith life, and he also. Uh, it gives the, the best imaginable example. After all, if God chose St. Joseph to be the foster, foster father of his son, he was going to make sure he chose the right person. That means that St. Joseph, by definition, is uh, somebody that, uh, that really was handpicked by God to be the human father, the, or the foster father of, of his son, and to teach him all of these rudiments, and, and including his livelihood, his profession, and his work. Something that stood out to me, Father Spitzer, when I was really thinking about this earlier, was how it used to be we had a model of work that was a very survival base. It was very primal. Uh, it was very trade-oriented, right? Trade yeah. to provide for your family and then to trade that right. service so that you could obtain what you needed back for your family. And mm -hmm. today we've transitioned into this achievement-based workforce in many ways, where it's about the mm -hmm. achievements. And if I'm not, you know, hitting that next pay raise or uh, a rate, a, you know, step up in my career, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. there's this devaluing of the individual that occurs that I think is very confusing. Can you speak a little bit to the difference between the survival-based workforce and an achievement-based workforce and where mm -hmm. we need to find that Catholic road forward? Yeah, I would think that the... Um the middle of the, of the road is is what we would want. Of course, we want to have a feeling of satisfaction, advancement in our work right. as part of our culture. At the same time, of course, the survival uh, dimension of providing for the family, I would call it the family-based view of, of work. I, I work so that my family will have what they need uh, in order uh, not only to uh, survive, but to uh, thrive and, and burgeon. And so we've got to find that point at which, you know, advancement really doesn't help the first objective. I need to work for my family. I do want to have a sense of satisfaction and advancement in that pursuit, but I don't want the sense of satisfaction and, and uh, promotion to in any way devalue or undermine my objectives for my family or undermine my objectives or 
my requirements for my religion. So I've got to, you know, keep that St. Joseph prioritization in there so that um, achievement does not become an end in itself. And in this culture, achievement is an end in itself. And, and I've called it level two happiness many a time. And um, what I mean by that is, is that, um, uh, you know, who's achieving more, who's achieving less, who's got more power, less power, et cetera, has become the mode of, of you know, uh, whether my my uh, my job is uh, is successful or not successful, whether I'm a successor and not a success, and that success in turn is my identity and my purpose in life. That is so wrong. It's mm. so utterly wrong. And uh, we have to pry open that almost leap to making achievement an end in itself and get back to the end I'm trying to achieve is my family. The end that I'm trying to achieve is what I can do for the kingdom of God and for the church as well. My work should not, um, uh, you know, undermine that completely. If it does, I need to find new work. Um, mm. You know, I can't have it undermining my religion or undermining my family or uh, putting them on the, the veritable back burner. So if that is the case, I need to find something else. Um, and you say, well, maybe some jobs are not uh, wholly available uh, to these people, but you can start looking at, you know, start doing some job hunting for something that's going to be more satisfactory to keep a balance between family, faith, um, and and um, and work uh, in your life. <laughs> and I think and, it's really important. And I think that's an interesting point. We live at a time where there is a tremendous amount of uh, opportunity right now in terms of jobs. We're seeing this great resignation. A lot of places are looking for employees, uh, employees that are sometimes going to fill a lot of different roles uh, because of that great resignation and recession, people trying to scale down. Uh, but I think there is an opportunity to kind of reevaluate and say, okay, can I take a little bit less money uh, so that, again, the job isn't undermining my family and my faith? Or uh, could I maybe engage in a job that maybe isn't as exciting to me but I can also put in better context the role of work in my family. I think these are really significant things uh, to ponder. And I think St. Joseph, the worker, this feast day that we're celebrating gives that opportunity. It's interesting. If you're just joining me, you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's Father Robert Spitzer. Father Spitzer is the president of the Magis Center and the Spitzer Center Speaks. And they specifically address the reasonability of our faith. You can check out free online courses at CredibleCatholic.com. I was really thinking about St. Joseph the Workers' Feast Day today and why it was instituted because it's a newer feast day. It was actually oh, yeah. instituted back in 1955 by Pope Pius XII and he did it specifically to address this whole idea of May Day, which is why we celebrate it today on May 1st, which mm -hmm. really became a anti-religious, secular acknowledgement of work, very focused on communism and socialism. And That's I find great. it fascinating to kind of situate this feast day right there in 1955 and then take it, you know, about 80 years mm -hmm. forward. And how it's relevant, do you think, to us today? Oh, I think it's still exceptionally relevant, uh, you know, as our society becomes increasingly secularized. Um, of course, today, here in the United States, it's not so much, you know, this um, communistic, socialistic, and, and by the way, fascistic, because, um, you know, all you need to do before the St. Joseph Feast Day was instituted, um, Pope uh, Leo XIII 
had to basically write Rerum Novarum, the first social encyclical, yes. about work, really, about right. the Catholic view of work. And by the way, the, 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 he actually embraced several principles from the American labor movement right. into that encyclical. But the whole reason he did that, and this uh, the only reason I'm talking about Rerum Novarum here is is because it really reflects on the St. Joseph Feast Day. It but does. What, I reread it today, by the way. It's very yeah. relevant to what's <laughs> happening today. Yeah. And so you can see why he did it. He, he thought, okay, the fascists are saying, you know, work, you know, is for the, the all important um, nation geist, you know, it's for the all important, um, you know, uh, nation, you know, Nazi Germany in this case, or Italy and in another case, etc. And so the idea, you know, is to, to become one in work for the good of this uh, country, uh, right or wrong. And uh, the fascist uh, motivation is definitely materialistic at heart, and it's definitely uh, oriented toward, um, in, you know, Nazi Germany or whatever it was. But definitely, it that was a terrible trend. And of course, work was definitely, uh, you know, subservient uh, to the good mm -hmm. of the nation state, which in turn, you know, basically allowed the state to turn human beings into indentured servants, indentured right. slaves of the state. And, and certainly, machine. Exactly. And didn't uh, Hitler take advantage of that and Mussolini and so forth? At the very same moment the fascists are making workers indentured servants of the state, the communists are also, and the socialists were doing the very same thing under a different rubric. Of course, it was this time, you know, the, the workers' paradise was going to prevail. All we needed to do was get the uh, revolutionary, um, uh, you know, uh, the revolution underway. And once the revolution was underway, uh, they would throw off all of the bourgeois tendencies and mm -hmm. the proletariat, the laborer, would take over. But what was the price to be paid? for the laborer to take over. Well, uh, the laborer basically became the indentured servant of the state. The state would now own all the property, tell you what to do, tell you how to do it. And of course, all the idea of behind uh, free enterprise and of course the family's importance to the right. worker, right? right uh, it gets eliminated. So look at what happened in, in that history. And it, poor old Leo the 13th, he sees that the family is what whether it's fascism mm -hmm. or communism, didn't matter. The family got wiped out. The worker mm -hmm. got turned into an indentured servant of the state. And all of the freedoms that we uh, enjoy, right, the freedom to choose the kind of work we want or how to do the kind of work we want or how we're going to run the kind of business we want, all of that is taken away in both fascism and communism. And so, you know, Leo XIII, um, the predecessor to um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, 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 the whole post-war uh, series of popes who have written so many excellent um, uh, social encyclicals on work, all these things. Leo XIII comes up and he says, okay, how do, the, how do these Americans do it? He looks at the uh, American labor movement. He combines it with the number one principle of Catholic social ethics, the intrinsic transcendent dignity of every single human being, which of course can't be indentured to the state. 
So you can't, right. you can't become indentured to real estate. Second thing is, is that the family is sacrosanct and that this is going to be, you know, part of the importance of uh, what, you know, why work is, has dignity. It has dignity because it's helping to provide for that family and what the family wants, as well as the freedoms that we enjoy in a democracy like our own. So ingeniously, he weaves it together with the great mind of Leo the Thirteenth, and we come up with Rerum Navarum. Now we get to 1955, post-war kind of a thing. Communism is in full swing in mm-hmm. Russia, et cetera, et cetera. And now you can see already again this big secular atheistic view of May Day. And I, you know, you look at the Pope and he's so smart. He basically goes, "How am I going to get around this thing?" <laughs> uh, and and uh, he comes up with the perfect solution mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, basically installs, as it were, the feast day of St. Joseph the worker, St. Joseph the family man, St. Yes. Joseph who had uh, the freedoms uh, to break apart from the totalitarian state, St. Joseph who obviously par excellence was a religious man and a law-abiding man, and, and a man who put his religion and family first. St. Joseph, the worker who had the intrinsic dignity, etc., and you put it all together, both symbolically and really, you now have an example writ large for everybody to see of what genuinely good, dignified work is within the context of religion, within the context of the family, within the context of the freedoms and the intrinsic dignity of every worker uh, who mm-hmm. should have the right to move from one place to another in the workplace, depending on um, you know what uh, his preferences are. And right. it, uh, it went off beautifully. And, and all I can say is... The antithesis of the culture today. Antithesis of the culture today. Yeah, it's fascinating. You mentioned, you know, who is St. Joseph? He's the father, the husband, the chaste man, the businessman. You can't honor the husband, St. Joseph, without honoring the Blessed Virgin Mary, his wife, and the child yeah. Jesus, and putting everything right back into context when the world has tried to erase, literally erase religion. You know, we look at, you know, uh-huh. examples of Nazi Germany and how they were getting rid yeah. of all of these sacred texts. It's very uh-huh. profound. And I want to dive into how this kind of connects to the leftover, very significant, and we could talk about communism, Marxism in our culture today, but one significant area when we're talking about the role of St. Joseph and the family, about how Marxism, as it was addressed back by Leo XIII, back in the 19th century and then the 20th century by Pope Pius XIII, uh, or sorry, Pope Pius XII in 1955, it we kind of see this is right before we see the full impact of the sexual revolution where now today we see women have been pulled predominantly into the workforce children have been institutionalized into public school systems and you have this uh, even greater chasm chasm between faith and family the child and parent and authority and it's bringing Mm -hmm. us to a real ahead of crisis but it all comes back to this fundamental understanding of the proper role of work both male and female and those dynamics in the family Oh, yeah. I mean, when you see sometimes when you see a a male, a man, you know, who's giving up basically his family and his religion to throw himself totally into the workplace. um, You know, you might think, well, that's bad. 
when you see women wholesale doing this, you know, and, and the great cost uh, to the children and right. to motherhood itself, you just know the next generation of kids, what's going to befall them? And look mm -hmm. at it. The suicide rate's going way beyond any expectation. The loss of hope among young women, right? So you've got these girls now where the suicide rate of girls between 14 to 18 years old is like twice as high as it was, um, you know, just uh, uh, 15 years ago. And more than that, it's it's almost the highest in the world. Right. And, and you look at that and you go, wait a minute, why is there such a loss of hope? What's going on here? Their whole sense of identity, in my view, the sense of motherhood, the sense of dignity of being with the family, all of it has been kind of wiped out. And if you're not in the workplace working uh, to you know, get ahead like uh, every other enslaved Theory X man, as they used to call it, the organization man, why you're just, uh, if you're not an organization woman, you're a failure. And of course, mm -hmm. the idea of failure being said to these uh, poor women, it's uh, such a social pressure. And um, they, they want to, in, in some sense, to be a success. They want to fit in. And because they're putting, you know, such pressures put on them, when they're young, their suicide rates are skyrocketing. Depression rates and anxiety rates, panic disorder rates are right. going through the mm -hmm. ceiling. ADHD, I mean, we're talking, all of it, yeah. yeah all of it, all Mental of it. Health. It's really, it's horrible. Yeah, it's this interesting. is liberation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah. You no, know, it's interesting as you're saying all of these kind of uh, disorders, right, that we talk about in the culture. We could go on and on, and it's mm -hmm. significant because you're touching on the very pain of the culture. And this is why we're talking about this during our weekly happy hour because mm -hmm. it's relevant. And when you bring it back to, you know, you're mentioning the fact that through the liberation of women, they're pulled into the workforce. You know, I was just mm -hmm. at the Catholic Psychological Association conference yeah. and pulling all the secular data. Uh, they really were yeah. pointing to a lot of things that were really important regarding the sexual crisis and mental health crisis crisis today yeah. having to do with I was hearing a lot about a lack of ability to regulate one's emotions and an inability to empathize. And for example, just one example, if you lack empathy, you're more likely to look at pornography. And if you look at pornography, you're more likely uh, to lack empathy toward others. Uh, if you yeah. lack uh, emotional regulation, you're more likely to look at pornography. And we could go on and on about this, mm -hmm. but what's fundamental, if you take it back further, empathy and emotional regulation really occurs in those fundamental first handful of years of a child being emotionally regulated within the presence of the yeah. mother. And this is so countercultural to talk about today, Father Spitzer. And mm -hmm. even within the Catholic community, people are upset to hear this. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think what's going on is a terrible degradation, not just of the role of motherhood, but uh, the degradation of women themselves mm -hmm. as they, you know, take on, you know, this possibility of motherhood in their lives. Yes, marriages are way down. Divorces are way up. Number of children is way down. And right. you can see that the propaganda machine in the culture has made, uh, you know, these uh, success of women in the workplace is the number one ideal. All women who don't try to aspire to this ideal are, of course, uh, counted as, as failures and, and losses and almost, um, you know, negligible. But the point is, they are the happiest when they're good mothers. They are the happiest mm. um, when they're, you know, observing and practicing their religion. They are the happiest when they keep their workplace obligations in continuity with 
their family and with their religion. Um, and, you know, you can see that, you know, it takes time to empathize with a child. You can't be just a, a hyperactive worker and want to spend some time just playing a game of crazy eights with your kid. You know, you're, you're not going to do that. You, you're going to be going crazy, uh, quote unquote, wasting time. Mm-hmm. But it's precisely this gift of time, this mm-hmm. wasting time, these moments of doing nothing more than listening to a child or, you know, sharing, you know, uh, reading with a them, book, right? uh, reading a book, book <laughs> just being in love yeah. with them, you know. Yeah. I sometimes you know, judge my own motherhood at days when I go, wow, I didn't even read a single book to my child yet. That's the greatest thing she could delight in to form her, to bring that presence. And when that happens, it was shame on me for not taking that moment to delight, right? To see that even if it's you know being distracted with keeping a clean house or whatever it might be, you know, people say, oh, well, this is so important doing the show. Yes, that's important, but it's no more important than my children that come first and foremost. And that's the great challenge. That's been Father Robert Spitzer here on Trending with Timory. You can find his incredible work and free resources at CredibleCatholic.com, articles, learning modules to dive deeper into your faith. And he wrote a book on happiness as well. You need to check out this book, Finding True Happiness. We'll post a link on social media. I'll be right back with Father Robert Spitzer. We're going to talk about the value continued of the person and work and St. Joseph. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. It's our weekly happy hour today on Trending, and I'm joined by Father Robert Spitzer, the president of the Magis Center and the Spitzer Center. They both speak to the reasonability of our faith, and he has incredible resources, learning modules to dive deeper in your faith. You're struggling with atheism. You know someone who is. You're doubting the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. He dives into all of that. CredibleCatholic.com is that excellent resource to learn more. He also wrote a book on happiness called Finding True Happiness. We'll post a link on social media. Father Spitzer, we have a question coming in from Carrie in California. This is a hot topic and one that I don't think we discuss often enough. Carrie, welcome to Trending. What is your question today? Thank you, Tamari. Thank you, uh, Father. My question is this. I have a couple of daughters who are older, who are out in the workforce and are quite successful um, and do not appear to be getting married or even working towards that end. I have a couple of daughters that are still at home. How do I uh, safeguard them, I guess is the, the best way to say it, safeguard them so that way they don't think that they need to necessarily go out in the workforce and become this career-minded person um, to the neglect of uh, considering marriage as a vocation. This is a great question. I have some thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts first, Father Spitzer. Oh, no. In fact, uh, go ahead. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think that this is such a sensitive topic, Carrie, that we're not willing to talk about it. And I think part of it starts with, you know, there's a lot of fear about motherhood. Uh, there's an overemphasis on education and work and achievement. Father and I were talking earlier about how, you know, we've moved from a trade focused culture based on provision and survival to an achievement focused culture of work. And I think that that's really damaged women in particular. And if you add student loans onto it, adding the pressure of having to have a degree, degrees are great. I have an undergraduate degree. I have a graduate degree. That's not for everyone, though. And I think a lot of people feel pressured 
to do all of that, even in a time when, for some reason today, degrees don't even mean that much because everyone has one now. You know, what happened to the skills that some people had sometimes to do something such as being willing to dig a hole? I mean, there's so many people in the construction industry today saying that they don't, can't find someone that has the work ethic uh, willing to do that. And again, that doesn't relate directly toward women, but it does in a certain respect, because I think that we've uh, put ourselves at a place as women to say our value is an education, career and achievement. And then if we question that, well, we're forced into it. If you have student loans or people are saying, well, why would you waste your time on something else uh, such as, you know, having children, getting married, even if you're you're home taking care of your home without children and you're not in the workforce. I think there's a lot of criticism. And so I think that finding peace in not having to focus on work, that if there's an overemphasis on work and that's your exclusive goal, there's something wrong because we become uh, not human beings, but human doings so focused on that next thing we have to achieve. And this can even occur for women who desire children, desire marriage. You know, They're so focused on, okay, I'll be happy once I'm married. I'll be happy once I have a child. It's so achievement focused. I think it's damaging. And I know a lot of women sometimes also haven't been exposed to children they haven't had the opportunity to delight in children. And maybe they've never been told something as you'll be a great mom one day. There's a culture, I've seen it among my peers, of not wanting to give their daughters uh, baby dolls. Yet this is what little girls naturally gravitate to. I've witnessed it firsthand with my daughter. They just gravitate toward wanting to nourish and care for little things. There's there's a beauty in that. Yet I think our cultures try to stymie motherhood and overemphasize achievement and at the same time you have this rising stress level for young girls today and i know father spitzer can speak to this so eloquently i think that stress level is mitigated by things such as we've seen studies studies a jama study that came out that women who go to daily mass have greater mental health and are resilient against yeah. suicide so father if you want to speak to that side of it as well i think that would be wonderful yeah i was just going to suggest one thing um i think the problem is even on, on a more fundamental level um, the, the, the real difficulty is that women have bought into level two happiness, what I call ego comparative happiness. They think their happiness, their recognition, their success, what they really want in life is going to be who's achieving more, who's achieving less, who's got more power, less power. In other words, who's more successful, who's more powerful. It's all about comparative advantage. That's what's, you know, if I have comparative advantage, Everybody's going to look to me. They'll respect me, et cetera, and I'll have a happy life. Well, that is simply untrue, and I can document that with a lot of surveys, but I'm not going to get um, any place now. We've got to move our kids up to contributive happiness first and foremost. You can't have a mother and a, a really a wonderful wife um, until you know she has um, got moved up into what I call contributive identity. So how am I going to make an optimal positive difference to my family, to my friends, to the people around me? In other words, the, uh, once the level three identity is achieved and even better, the level three combined with the level four identity, which is the identity grounded in God, right? How, how am I going to, how best shall I serve God? Because there's where I will be happiest. If we can move the needle just a little bit for any given woman, from level two happiness to level three and four happiness. That's the that, that's kind of the homework you have to do. The foundation you have to set. 
if you can free her for a moment from that obsession that the culture tells her she ought to have, that she's got to be a success in the workplace, that's what will make her acceptable. That's what will make her happy. Break out of it on a general level. Don't talk about it from the vantage point of motherhood or anything else. Just get her up to that contributive identity and to that transcendent or faith-filled identity. Then broach the question of, well, what, what do you think for your life fits in there? To have uh, um, you know, um, uh, children, to be a good wife, to be the center of the family? Uh, or do you think that having that higher power job that prohibits you from doing that is the better thing to do? I've got a book called Finding True Happiness, but you can just get a summary of this if you want to just maybe present it to your daughters. If you go to majacenter.com and just uh, there's, there's a little button there for free resources, um, like free articles and videos. Just go to that, hit that button and just go to the um, uh, videotape on Finding True Happiness or one of the um, little articles, free articles on the four levels of happiness. But if you really want to get impact, just point out that comparison game. Mm -hmm. All the miseries of the comparison game. That's level two happiness that's gone out of whack. If you can show them that, you know, level two happiness, oh, you might be satisfied for a while when you're at the top of your game. But then when you start feeling that sense of emptiness, because you didn't do something contributive, because you didn't have that child, because you didn't, you know, um, uh, you know, pursue your religion um, and, and, and didn't try to do something for somebody on that religious and familial and even, you know, interacting with other moms at school and helping them and forming a community of moms, you know, as your child's going through school, et cetera. All these things, I'm telling you, if you, they can be averted, if you can just help that um, your two daughters to move toward level three and four, away from level two, which is exacerbated so much by Instagram, et cetera. Yeah. If you can do that by some of those free resources, just get them to watch the videotape or have them go to the seven essential modules. Just go to modulescenter.com and click on the seven essential modules. Go to module six, which is the four levels of happiness. Just watch that with your kids. Then broach the question of motherhood or, you know, marrying uh, to mm -hmm. be a good mom and wife before being, uh, you know, a super achiever, et cetera. We'll, we'll post a link to these resources you're mentioning on your website. We'll post them in the episode notes for today's show because these are mm -hmm. extremely helpful. When you walk through the four levels of happiness as seen in your book and on your modules on your mm -hmm. website, it's very enlightening. And as you were saying that, Father, I kept thinking about how, okay, you're telling mom that she needs to engage and have these deep conversations. And mom's wanting to do it here. This is great. This is mm -hmm. what's happening. But it makes me keep thinking about how, daughters and sons but daughters look to their moms and how they modeled this was their mom you know mm -hmm. was their mom there helping to raise them was their mom stressed was their mom uh undermined you know, all these things was their mom a doormat you know there's so much that could be said that ha this has to be and will be modeled no matter what to your children mm -hmm. by how you live it out and i think that a lot of kids and i know i've seen this in my peers they're saying i would never be home my mom was never home I would never be home. You know, I don't see it as as valuable. I just I just want to focus on career. That's what my mom did. And, you know, she couldn't do both at once. 
And a lot of kids are saying, that's what I want to do because they see you can't do once, do both at once to the capacity to which we are called to meet our ends. And if you're not able to uh, be home with your children, you need to help explain to your children, this was the need I had to help fill. And this is why perhaps I wasn't present. There are some things that haven't always been here. This is how I'm trying. And when we can't do what is ideal, we have to help those who we have a responsibility to, to understand why we are doing our best and perhaps even pointing to our own deficiencies. And I think that's important at times that we acknowledge that. But Father, I think that was so beautiful in helping them to understand, move past the comparison hell they are living in, in the culture today, and find how they can contribute. And you walk through how to do that so wonderfully in your book, Finding True Happiness. And we'll post links to that on social media as well, on how you can walk through the module, free online resources as well. And we've talked about it here on Trending, how to stay happy, how important that is to understand those levels of happiness. Father, for a moment here, I would like to just kind of come back to St. Joseph and just speak to how the culture is truly struggling, I think, right now uh, in terms of how we're looking at this from a secular perspective, this crisis of work, and how when we look at St. Joseph, what was dr- what our attention was drawn to by bringing this feast day today of St. Joseph the worker is that work has a supremely spiritual dimension. And that that is at the heart of work. If you've lost that mindset or don't know what that looks like, how do you come to understand that work is a spiritual action fundamental to your vocation? Yeah, I think, uh, well, first of all, work is creativity. Even if sometimes the work is very, uh, you know, pound out the, uh, uh, the, the, the gear in the factory or something, um, <clears throat> it, it's still a creative enterprise. And where there is creativity, there also lies God, the Spirit. We're, you know, we get so much of that creative uh, instinct fulfilled uh, in the workplace. We're given opportunities to produce things that people want and and to use our ingenuity uh, to get there. And that really makes for, I mean, in, in the broader sense of the word, a spiritual experience. Of course, we can bring the Lord more, you know, um, directly into it, um, you know, but intrinsically work is very much creative. Work is very much, you say, well, it's producing. Well, another way of looking at producing is creativity. It's it's really the actualization of creativity. We all want to have that purpose. We all want to make a difference. We all want to see the fruits of our labors in the world. We all want to see that those fruits are benefiting others. Those fruits are appreciated. And that's that that idea of creativity unbounded is what makes work very spiritual. However, um, it's one thing that makes, you know, um, our lives spiritual. But of course, religion directly itself is the most direct and effective way. And then family itself Remember, the family that prays together stays together because uh, there is a reciprocal relationship between religion and family. The stronger your marriage and family, the stronger will be your practice of religion. And the stronger your practice of religion, the stronger, more satisfying, more long-lasting, more deep will be your um, family. Now, you talk about creativity, right? 
you can see very clearly that family and creativity, the very action of giving mm -hmm. birth to a child is creativity, you know, at its highest mark for a human being, uh, at its highest mark. And so you're giving rise not just to a work product that lasts um, a long time in this world. This is a little eternity that you're creating. And so people are have become blinded to the creativity that is embedded in family, the creativity that's embedded in training that little mind, which will be part of eternity in God's kingdom, right, of getting that little mind underway. This is a creative enterprise that is unsurpassed. You, you want to say, oh, I could be a, a journal editor. So you think you're going to get a higher level of creativity than you know, giving birth to uh, and, and giving religion to and helping to raise with good moral standards, one of these little eternities, one of these little children, no way. I mean, and unless you maybe if your work is directly working for the church itself or something of that nature, then, of course, you would be, uh, you know, uh, you know, dealing but with even creativity. That be put yeah. ahead of your children, right? And I think that's sometimes the challenge of even people working within the church is that we put, oh, I'm doing so much good in the world and missing what's happening at home. I think that's a significant thing to focus on, too. It was something you just said really stood out to me, Father. You're talking about creativity and finding how creativity is first and foremost in the family, co-creating with God these children. The primary role of marriage and the end of marriage is a procreation education of children, not just to co-create with God and creating them, but to form them right in their faith. And that is a creative experience. It's the greatest thing that you can do. And it's shocking that we would devalue the presence of a mother and a father especially that mother today and the upbringing of her child and how creative and important that work is. It's very profound uh, what you're saying. It's been Father Robert Spitzer today on Trending, celebrating St. Joseph the Worker on his feast day. If you haven't already and you still have the opportunity, it's a great day to go to Mass. It's a great day to renew your consecration to St. Joseph if you haven't consecrated yourself to him or to pick up and consider a consecration to St. Joseph. I'll be right back here on Trending, but be sure to check out Father Robert Spitzer's book, Finding True Happiness, and great online free resources to form yourself in your faith, CredibleCatholic.com. That's CredibleCatholic.com. listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to our weekly happy hour today on Trending. We're going to talk in just a moment about combating workaholism. Before we go there, Michelle from Silver Spring, Maryland's on the line. Michelle, what's your question for us today on Trending? Yeah, hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, great. I, um, I wanted to ask Father Spitzer, um, I didn't hear the second one. He did it. Was it contributive identity or contributive happiness? And I wanted to know a little bit more about that term and what did it mean? Oh, that's a great question. So he has his four levels of happiness that are outlined in his book. That is absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend. He really wrote it to help combat secularism and bring people to their faith. And it's one of a multi-part series. So the book's Finding True Happiness. But we're posting a link on social media as well as the episode notes uh, that walks through these four levels of happiness. Um, the first is kind of a pleasure-based happiness, immediate gratification. If we just leave ourselves there, just focused on, you know, what physically pleases me from food, money, sex, we're not going to be happy. We think we're happy. We're not. Second level is a comparative identity where we focus on our own achievements in comparison. Social media is 
absolutely, you know, sucking the souls of so many teen girls in particular right now because they don't think they measure up. So that comparison. The third level is contributive happiness. That's where you start to see a transformation and a step in the correct direction as Father Spitzer lays out in the four levels of happiness toward union with God, seeking the true good. When we start to see uh, happiness from the perspective of what I can give as a gift, giving my whole self, it has to do with charity, which is so important and justice and community. And so that's where that level is, that third level of happiness. So what Father is saying is that we have to help move people from a comparison level, personal achievement focus, to a contributive dimension of who we are and the self-gift of ourselves to another. Does that make sense? Because I, um, I have a mom who's about to be 90, and I'm very involved in caregiving for her. And I always mm-hmm. say it's a, it's challenging, but it's a great, God gives me such a grace and such a blessing every time I get to spend time with her. And, and I think that's why I was, I wanted to clarify, I figured that I was understanding his term right, because it is there's in that giving to her, I, I'm the really, the one who's blessed from it. Praise God. Isn't that true? And I think a lot of people reject that responsibility that can lead to transformation and true happiness, a higher level of happiness than what society offers. So thank you so much for that testament, because I think it's something a lot of people need to hear here today uh, on the show. Thank you, Michelle. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray here on Relevant Radio. Again, we're posting links. Father Spitzer's actually walked through the four levels of happiness here on Trending as well, so we'll post a link to that episode in the show notes and on social media. The time we have left, I want to dive into a really important topic as we're celebrating the feast day of St. Joseph the Worker. And we're, we've been situating work in the context of socialism, communism, the 21st century, and how we live today in this achievement-based workforce rather than a survival-based workforce. And finding that middle ground, as Father Spitzer was saying with us here on Trending, of a a finding a family-focused workforce, a fi- family-focused work ethic. One of the things that truly does get in the way for many people is workaholism. Uh, some people might argue it's in their blood. They have a genetic predisposition to it. It's what was modeled to them. It could be running from something. It could be even be that you love your work. Uh, it could be a false understanding that you're irreplaceable and no one else could do the job you do. Other people could do the job you do. And I think workaholism at its core starts first and foremost in many ways in our pride, whether it's pride out of fear of not having enough, pride out of thinking we're so important that no one else can do this. Workaholism at its core has to do with one of those seven deadly sins of pride. And so if you're struggling, you're overworking, you're exhausted all the time from your work, maybe you even hate your work, but you find yourself in the middle of the night checking your email, uh, there's a lot that could be said, but working on, and I know it's hard to say and hard to swallow in here, but working on pride of not putting ourselves so much at the center of our work, but truly depending on the providence and guidance of God that even, and I make this prayer, Lord, I'm tired right now. I have, it's a Sunday night or it's a Monday and you're going into the work week and you're tired. Maybe you're going into your family life and you're tired. Lord, help supply me with the energy needed to fulfill my responsibilities, to step into my vocation, to meet the needs of my loved ones. And that includes putting work in the proper context, giving your state and life and vocation. And yet so often today we reduce our ourselves to our achievements. And this is very atheistic. It's centered very much so in a communistic mindset that went from saying you're just cogs in a machine helping to do things for the state 
God is removed from the work to then we've swung the pendulum in a different direction saying, no, my work is important because this is what gives me worth. And I feel good when I feel achieved. It's great to have successes at work. That's wonderful. But that shouldn't be the goal. And as Father Spitzer was saying here earlier on trending, work is a problem when it undermines your primary vocation and responsibility and state in life. So here's the question. What are the tips for overcoming workaholism? I think first and foremost, recognizing that it's pride that's at the core of it and praying for the virtue of humility and finding concrete ways to practice humility. Maybe it's dependence on others. Maybe it's delegation. Maybe it's taking some time off. You know, there's a lot that could be said, but I want to talk about some concrete steps. For people who maybe overcheck their email for work, maybe it's removing email from your phone or reducing it only to being accessible from the hours of 9 a.m. to maybe 6 p.m. If you're home with kids, maybe you shouldn't have it on so late because that's disrupting your family time and dinner time and you're checking your email then. Uh, having do not disturb automatic settings set up on your phone. This is doable where you're not taking phone calls and emails between certain hours, turning off the notifications. They don't need to be there. Work when you work and don't work when you don't work and have, have that boundary that's drawn for yourself. Uh, turn off your phone. Sometimes, you know, one rule I've had always since I got married and I tried to have even before I got married was to try not to use my phone in my bedroom and to certainly never have my phone in the bed. Why? That could go into a whole number of other problems that having your phone in the room in the bedroom can do, uh, but it can also help to combat workaholism. It can lead to rest. And, you know, maybe you have a phone docking station in your house where if you use your phone, you stand there at that place at the counter in a less than ideal place. And then when you're done, you walk away from it and you leave it there. But time-blocked calendars are helpful as well, making sure we're doing our work when we do our work and taking our time to rest when we need to rest. The question that always comes in is when you're trying to overcome some sort of addiction or bad behavior, do you have to replace it with something? So I would argue first, instead of starting work the moment you roll out of bed or before you even get out of bed on your phone, begin and end your day with capstones of prayer. Have a routine, a time, a location. Know what you plan to pray, what prayers that can help you enter into that prayer. Maybe even have a daily activity, a morning or evening activity that you enjoy that helps you step away from work. Might even be that you're not exercising because of workaholism. Might be drinking tea, enjoying the sunset. Uh, So many different things it could be. But also using that time-blocked calendar to schedule in the fun, the rest, the recreation. And I was even just thinking about a moment here about recreation in light of workaholism. If you think about recreation, it means to recreate. It's something done for your own enjoyment. It almost focuses on being versus doing, seeing the good, the true, and the beautiful, and experiencing it and enjoying it, which should ultimately lead toward a pondering of God, a peace in our state in life, and a decrease in pride and a humble submission to God and his will and providence. Coming up back here on Trending, Father Rocky's back for the Family Rosary Across America. This is Tim Ray from Trending with Tim Ray. Tuesday, I'll be joined by Sister Tina Alfieri. She's a hermit and nun, but she's also a specialist in addiction She's a therapist. She's a spiritual director. So join me on Tuesday to talk to a nun, ask a nun your questions, gathering her keen insights into our spiritual life, the addictions of today, whatever might be troubling you. Join me daily, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.